Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness and current events all through the lens of faith. And we're back with Science Radio. I'm your host, Jared Stachelroth, helping Jesse today because Jesse's actually our guest. So you'll be used to the dulcet tones of Jesse Herford every episode. <laughs> I'm filling in. I work with Jesse. I'm the editor of Science Magazine, and mm. Jesse's the associate editor. So we're really glad to have a team effort today. Yeah. Thank so, you, boss. It's good to be here. I don't like when you call me boss. What is that about? <laughs> I'm just trying to pay you the respect that you so clearly deserve. All right, Jared. I'll take it. I'll All take right. it. All right. Hey, it's great to be here. We're doing something special today. It's mm. a little bit different. If you're listening to this in the normal way that you subscribe to our podcast, you love it, you listen to every episode, we've actually added a video feature today. So we're Pretty going fancy. onto YouTube. It's very cool. We're down in the audio studio at the Adventist Media building where we work. And it's it's kind of exciting. It's a new yeah. adventure. I'm, I'm very excited. This is something that I've been secretly, not so secretly, hoping for for a long time. So it feels really cool to be on the couches with the mics, feeling like we're part of a, a TV show. <laughs> That's a bit weird. <laughs> Your lifelong dream is to yeah. be on television. <laughs> clearly, well, clearly. It's great to know. It's like the morning show, you know. Except it, it's still morning. I mean, somewhere in the world. Yeah. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is exciting. And yeah, it's great to be here with you, Jared. It's great to be on the other end of the of the microphone for a change. It is a bit weird, I will admit. I'm used to being the host in every podcast that I've ever been part of, all of the hundreds of podcasts that I've been part of. So, <laughs> Well, in the kingdom, Jesse, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So it's good to... Very comforting, you know. Very comforting. We've got you as the guest. Yeah. Because you're the expert, apparently. You've written an article, right? Strong, strong, strong term, expert, but go on. You've written an article (laughs) about board gaming. Now, it might be a little niche, but I think as we unpack it today, we're going to find some interesting... Certainly, I learnt things from your article that I didn't know about board gaming, Mm. And I know it's a passion, a hobby of yours. So we're really glad to be able to, I guess, explore this side of you, get, get to know you a little better yeah. and, and, and find out some more things. So when I was a kid, we probably would play board games maybe in the holidays more yep. than regularly, yep. maybe on the weekends here and there. But it was sort of my brother really liked Monopoly and I didn't mind Monopoly, but it got too long sometimes for my taste. I was like, gosh, do we have to play Monopoly? It never ends. You just go round and round. And so for me, I was, I'd probably prefer maybe Yahtzee, something, a bit of chance, you know, you roll the dice. For those of you that haven't played Yahtzee, you try and get all the dices to line up the same. And it's all over in about 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, you you fill out the scorecard and once you're finished, you're you're done. And then you add up the points, you go home. So that was great. But I guess... Many of us might have memories of childhood board gaming, but it's not something we've taken into our adulthood. Is it something we should take with us into our adulthood or is it something that should be left behind? Like, tell me the benefits of board gaming. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's a very good question. And first of all, I'd like to say anybody who really, really, really likes Monopoly, I'm not sure if I trust that person because <laughs> <laughs> I only say this because the people who tend to really like Monopoly are also the people who tend to really like to be brutal to their friends and family in games of Monopoly. I'm not saying that your brother is one of those well, people. There's po- possibly a <clears throat> tiny portion of yeah. yeah, beating other people, megalomania, them pay him rent. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, no, fair. Some light themes in that area. <laughs> Look, I will say that when most people find out that I'm into board gaming, tabletop gaming, they are you know, confused. They are quizzical. They they often conjure up those rainy Sunday afternoons playing Monopoly or Boulder Dash or Cluedo, whatever the the case may be for them. And they think, well, I did that as a kid. Why in the world would I continue to do that, you know, when there is so many other things that I could be doing with my time, you know? I find a lot of people do tend up to grow up and, you know, do video games instead or a sport or, you know, those sorts of things that sort of feed the competitive spirit Mm. that, Mm. you know, a lot of people have. Board gaming is a, well, it's an industry now, whereas, you know, back when I was a kid, certainly it was much more niche. And in some ways, it still is a very niche industry, but it's a lot more popular, a lot more prevalent than it used to be. I think somewhat gone of the days where Monopoly and Cluedo and uh, Rummy Carver, sort of the things that most people would reach for. Even if you go into a Target or a Big W these days, you'll see games like Ticket to Ride or Sequence or Pandemic, which is an unfortunately in theme uh, <laughs> board game for these this era. I, I don't know about you, but TV shows, movies. I went through a pandemic patch where I was like, yeah, let's not have anything too heavy or real. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate. Turn on a comedy, you know, I was yeah. watching The Office. Like, yeah. Give me something light so that I don't have to feel all the... Yeah, like escape from that terrible reality. I'm hoping this pandemic game came out before... It did. Okay. It, it came out a couple of years ago now. Pandemic is actually one of the most popular games in recent memory, wow. well before the COVID-19 pandemic certainly. It is a cooperative game where you are medical experts and you are trying to snuff out outbreaks as they happen all around the world. Wow. You have a couple of diseases that are rearing their ugly heads in, you know, Asia, Africa, Europe, and you're, you're trying to jet set around the world to stop these diseases from taking over. And if a disease takes over and, you know, spreads everywhere, everybody loses. So it's one of those everybody wins or everybody loses scenarios. You've just given me a memory, you know, those memories that flash back when you, from my childhood, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh, that's a good one. It wasn't a board game, I don't think. I think it was a, a it book was series on, and a video game, maybe? Well, it was on the computer. Well, that's how I yeah. accessed it. Yeah. And I guess you've just reminded me, I really like games that I guess test your knowledge or you learn while right. you're doing it. You know, I had a reasonable geographic or you know, interest in history yeah. and world world places. And the idea of hunting this person down by answering questions and trying to figure out where they where have they gone? Where in the yeah. world is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. You know, to me that was like I remember that fondly. It's the so, it, it's it's tricking you into knowing things and learning things and being educational. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> yeah. Is is that one of the benefits of board games? Sort of tricking you are they educational? A lot of board games are educational. Look, we 
There's kind of talk about the golden era of board gaming. And a lot of this has to do with Kickstarter, which if you know, you don't know is a crowdfunding platform where you give a company money ahead of time so that they can make a product and then send it to you in, you know, six months to a year's time. Mm. Recently, because of the pandemic, that's been more like two years, three years. I, I backed a game at the end of 2020. I only received it about two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I was very excited to receive this game that I've been thinking about and but you've also about. forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah. I gave them a hundred bucks two, two, three years ago. And now it's finally coming into fruition. So look, games are varied and games are, there's a game for any flavor. There's a game for any proclivity. If you want to dig into the Mediterranean or ancient, you know, Roman Greek history, hmm. there are a hundred million board games about trading in the Mediterranean. Wow. A hundred million. Okay. It might be an overstatement a little <laughs> bit. There's a bit of a meme in board gaming that European designers tend to design their games and then paste on a theme afterwards. So, Right. The, the mechanics and the theme often don't have much to do with each other. And it just so happens that a lot of European designers, not to name any in particular, have tended to come up with a concept for a game and then gone, oh no, I need to put a theme on it. So we'll be medieval Germany or we'll be ancient Roman, you know, trading in the Mediterranean sort right. of theme. Well, this is a question that comes up when yeah. you're saying that. Are the themes important? As in... right. Is it a theme, I like this, so I should play this game because it's going to be interesting? Or is it more about, I don't know, the experience mm. or the, you know, what, why, why would people be attracted to a certain game or? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there, there's really two answers. If you're sort of a, a more quote unquote serious, I would say more of a try hard, sweaty try hard sort of gamer, you'd be like, Oh no, theme doesn't matter. All it is is it's mechanics. You know, it's got to be good. It's got to be compelling. For me, though, I'm a sucker for nice artwork. I'm a mm -hmm. sucker for nice theme. In fact, we do have a, a, a bunch of games in front of us. I was going to say, if you've got an example, pull it out, because this yeah. is the beauty of doing a, a version for YouTube as yeah. well as podcasting. We've got, it's show and tell with Jesse yeah. time. <laughs> I mean, on the table in front of me, there's at least probably eight to ten games that you've brought in to yeah. share with us. So, I mean, we may not get through all of them, no. but... For sure. Well, okay. So look, if you are listening to this audibly, I'll do my best to describe what we're seeing. But if you have a computer or a smartphone, yeah. then you can just go onto the YouTube and check it out. Check it out. Signs of the Times on YouTube. Have a look. But I'll start with. All right. I'll give you my first impressions. Okay. Cause I'm, cause I'm newbie at this. Read, tell us what this says and, and what are you, what are you seeing? Jesse's holding up a game called Wingspan. It's got a kookaburra on the front. I like kookaburras. It's a good, good animal, Australian animal. This is the Oceania expansion. Right. Hence the kookaburra. I'm assuming this is a worldwide game. Yeah. It's got a, a local version of maybe our birds. Is that? Yeah. So the base version of wingspan, which I didn't bring in today because it's, it's a big box and it's got a lot of stuff packed into it. And also because like, Kookaburra, come on! I, I I see a little kiwi hiding on the side. There is, there is, there's a there's a kiwi That's here. That's good for our our kiwi friends. There's an, an emu, emu. Mm -hmm. uh, and is there anything else? There's a cup. So this is Oceania, which means that it's Australia, it's New Zealand, it's Papua New Guinea as yep. well, and yep. some birds around the Pacific. Which is great because that's the territory we cover with our magazine. And, and I mean, our what are the chances? Well, you wow. must have thought about that. <laughs> Wingspan is. An example of a game where theme 
probably pulls people in more than the gameplay. Right. And that's not to say that the gameplay is bad. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But essentially, in Wingspan, you have a massive deck of cards of birds. So mm-hmm. there's like a massive deck of cards. All right. You can smush them together. There is a, a North American sort of, that's where it started. Yep. Now, they've actually just released an Asian birds expansion, okay. which I don't have, but I'll probably be picking up at some point. Mm-hmm. So people from all around the world can... There's... Know and relate to their own local amazing representation. Yeah, yeah, great. So and and many more on the way because this game is selling like hotcakes. Is so it really? It's really popular. It's really popular. T- tell us what what's the aim of the game? Why would you play Wingspan? What what are you going to do? Right, you're playing essentially as ornithologists, people okay. who study birds. Yep. And your aim is to attract as many birds to your particular wildlife sanctuary as possible. And you have three different habitats. There's a forest habitat, there's a grasslands habitat, and there is a wetlands habitat. The three sort of main areas where birds like to hang out. Right. And at the end of the day, it's what is called a tableau builder. That is to say, you have a little tableau of your own, mm-hmm. and you're adding cards to that tableau, which will score you points, give, give you benefits, help you get more expensive birds in the future, and you're doing sort you like doing all sorts of things. You're you're drawing cards. You're mm-hmm. laying eggs. That's actually a, a function of okay. birds. Certain birds need eggs to be I've able to never laid an egg before, but <laughs> sounds sounds fun. <laughs> Neither of us are birds, as far as I'm aware. So <laughs> yeah. So is it, is it roll the dice or is it turn take turn play and pick a card? And- it's take turn play. There are some dice. There's actually. I wish that I had it with me, but there's actually a beautiful little bird feeder oh, that okay. is like, it's it's called a dice tower. You put the dice in and it kind of spits the dice out. Cool. And um, that's how you gather resources. So you need things like worms and grain and fish, which is, you know, the, all the things that birds like to eat. So Age of Empires, but you're fighting armies of birds. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rather reductive, okay, we're, not fi- we're not fighting the birds, but you're building... That's the When you say tableau building, like you're, you're yeah. building up your... And at the end of the day... Your ecosystem? I suppose you could say that. At the end of the day... To attract birds. The, the player with the most points is the winner. And this is what I would term a, a European-style game. I've referenced that a little bit. But there are sort of two different trains of thought, two different like schools of thought when it comes to games, modern games. And there's a lot of crossover, but there's what is called the Euro-style which tends to be a little bit more multiplayer solitaire. That is to say, we're all playing together, but I'm kind of doing my own thing the whole right. time. And then there's the other train of thought, which is, um, and this is not a per, uh, pejorative, but it's a Ameritrash. And <laughs> <laughs> like when you think of a game like Risk, that's definitely what I would term a Ameritrash because you're rolling lots of dice. There's a lot of randomness. And there's a high degree of player interaction. Right? And you're basically against others. There's a lot you're of not competition. As much playing against yourself. You're, it's it's much more overt. How can I bring someone else down 100%. at the same time as building myself up? 100%. Yep. Yep. And look, there's not a great example of an Ameritrash game here. I... If if you know board games and you see what's you know in front of you, you can probably figure out. Oh, Jesse is much more of a a Euro style game enjoyer. That's not to say that just I just a bit of a snob, just a bit of a you know European. <laughs> we're better than you, no. <laughs> but look, that that's a that's a great example of of theme matters. All and right, look, um, let's see another one. Okay, what, I, what else have you got for us? All right, let's let's go away from competitive and let's go to cooperative. And okay, interesting. So. Not all games are against 
hundred percent each other. Some of my favorite games are cooperative games and right. pandemic, which is what I mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. One of the most popular games, fully cooperative. Interesting. This is also a fully. Speaking of yeah. that, yes. Well, well, you've got your your lost expedition here. The lost expedition that looks Ooh. really cool. Um, I guess that's one of the things that sometimes has turned me off game play right. because I'm quite competitive. I'm happy to be competitive, but I'm also, you know, I'll play a game and it will be all fun and there will be interaction, but then people get a bit sore, you know. Yeah. Things happen, don't go their way. And I've found myself getting too attached to things yeah. and being like, ah, this is not making me feel happy. I'm feeling in my body like, oh, yeah. this is not a fun thing. Yeah. And I don't want to fight with the people that I'm hanging out with, be it my spouse or my friends, siblings, you know, yeah. we've mentioned. So it's like, oh, that's... But to understand that there are cooperative games, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and to your point, there are definitely games that are super mean <laughs> that I love. <laughs> right, right. But but I will say this. There's a social contract that you have to all agree to to play a game like that. Right. Like when I sit down to play a game of Risk, which admittedly is not that often, but I will sometimes, you know, play it at Christmas time with my brother and some of our friends. When you sit down to play a game like that, you all have to agree we can be complete jerks to each other and that's okay. And at the end of the game, you have to be able to get up and still be friends with that person. If there's one person at the table that doesn't really get that, that can really make it unpleasant. Sore losers, sore winners are not very fun to have around in in this sort of space. So I, I am definitely an advocate for... There are certain games that certain people just should not play because <laughs> they just can't handle it. And that's not, that's not any, you know, anything bad against them. It's just that, you know, certain people just really take these sorts of things personally. And, and it's okay. hard to know if you haven't yeah. done it with them yet. Yeah. So that's where you can land in some trouble. The Lost Expedition you've got, yeah. it looks like an Indiana Jones kind of cover. There's a parrot and a jungle scene yeah. with the khakis, the bucket hats, you know, they're, Going through a fairly thick jungle, it looks on the on the cover of the game. The, well, it's a much smaller box than the other one. It is a much smaller box. This is this is, this more, is a full game. Or it's this more is or less expansion. Well, let me let me open it up really quickly. I hope everything doesn't fall apart, but I'll just give you an example of what it is. Yeah, great. So you've so got have a, a look at that, like a manual there. So th- it's a card game essentially. You've got a card. Yep. All right. Essentially, what you're doing for those who aren't you know watching, you are playing a hand of cards out in turn every single round. And everyone, so when you say it's cooperative, I'm imagining like I see a group of people going through the jungle. Individual explorers, yes. We're all traveling together. Yes, we are traveling together and we are trying to reach the lost city of, I guess, El Dorado, I think is the theme. So you might be Roy, I might be Isabella. We are a team of explorers. We've got. Bakairi over here. I mean, they look pretty scary to is, me. Is this a person or is this... <laughs> like, you don't play as this person. This is something you encounter on this the way. This is something you encounter. We've got, we've got some plus signs. We've got a yeah. tent and a, some food. Is this a stock-up point? Yeah. So, so there's cards that do good things. Yep. And there's cards that do terrible things. Right. Like stepping on a crocodile infested lake and exactly. getting your foot chomped off. And there are cards that do a little bit of both. Right. And so everybody has to play out their entire t- their entire hand. 
and you're dealt a random hand right. of good cards and bad cards. You don't know if you're going to get good stuff. Most of the cards are bad. Mm. Most of the cards are bad because wow. it, that's the challenge. But some of the cards are good, which can help you. And the aim of the game is to try and keep at least one explorer alive and reach. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Look, I've never played a game where everybody survived. Maybe somebody is a savant at this game and can do that. I mean, I'm lucky. <laughs> We're lucky this isn't some kind of Jumanji I know. sucked into the game thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be problematic. Yeah. Hey, friends, come over. <laughs> Not all of you may survive, yeah. but we're, we're going to have some fun. It's, it's pretty brutal. Um, and, and this is definitely a game that... But it's cooperative. You can get your other friends to the end. You all win if someone gets to the end. You all win if somebody gets to the end. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely an example of a game where theme heavy, cooperative, but also quite brutal. But it's, it's like, it's like when you, when you share suffering together, you know, it's like shared experiences bring you together. Do you have any, what's the weirdest game you've got that you've brought in? (sighs) Okay. I think. Possibly that that that's prob- probably one of them. But actually, would you be able to grab the game that's underneath Splendor? This this is this is either going to be the game that you think is going to be the weirdest or the most snooze worthy. So have a look at have a look at the box cover. It's pretty hefty. It, it is. It's the heavy. It's the most complicated game that I brought. Agricola. Yeah. It's not a type of it's carbonated re- drink. Revised version. It is the revised version. Okay. It's got a. I'm looking at an agricultural scene. Yep. I assume that's Agricola. Agricola. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You can you can you can technically pronounce it however you want. Oh, I will, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a farmyard. We've got a lady yeah. holding a pot. We've got a sheep, a boar, a rooster. We've got some cretins hiding in the barn and poking their heads around yeah. the bottom of the Do you want to quickly show the, the people? Barn? We've got what is it? Yeah, so there's a stoic farmer with a pitchfork on the side there. Yeah, there's a dude out in the farm plowing. plowing I mean, it's, it's an inspiring scene, right? You just you want to be. I'm in this. ready to go put my work boots on and get some get some farm life into me. So I'm what? just trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that we are in literally like. 14th century Germany or something like that. The yep. 17th century. Here it is. The 17th century, not an easy period for a farmer. No. No. So, Agricola is one of the very first, not possibly the first, but one of the very first examples of what we would call a worker placement game. A worker placement. Worker placement game. So, you're placing workers. You start with a little family. Okay. Beautiful little farming family. And there's a board of slowly revealed tiles. You take one of your family members, you put them on the space, and you do whatever it says. Could be, I'm going to go to the timber mill, I'm going to gather some wood. Right. I'm going to go to the river, I'm going to fish some fish. I'm going to go to, I don't know, the... the sell some pies. Sell some pies, make, bake some bread, build a, a, a little barn. Ultimate, well, I mean... No Maybe. prime, just real jobs. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's pretty dry, I will admit. I, I will admit. <laughs> I mean, you can see the cover. For those people who are watching, you can see this cover. This this is not this is not the most exciting. Like, it's not like sucking you in going, oh, my goodness, this is exciting me right from the get-go. The reason I brought this in 
is because this and the game that's actually at the bottom of the stack here, Seven Wonders, they're two of the first board games I ever played, like complicated board games. Right. I loved Seven Wonders. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the oldest game. I still, this is the first board game I actually ever purchased myself. Agricola hated it because it is brutally difficult. It is a game where it takes place over a couple of years. Like it, like it, the, the theme of the game splits you into different years. At the end of the year or the end of the season or whatever, you have to feed your family. Every person that you have needs food to be fed. Mm. And so you're like gathering all this stuff and you're like, I'm going to build all this cool stuff next turn. And then suddenly, oh, end of season, you have to feed your family. And all these plans that you've made about all the cool things that you're about to do, they go out the window. Because if you don't feed your family, you get penalized. Massive points that stack up over time. Mm -hmm. And so I've played games of Agricola where the winning score was like two because everybody else was in the negatives because they took so many bad points because they couldn't feed their families. And it's just brutally difficult. A negative score isn't always bad. Look at golf. (laughs) If you you go that way, man, you could be an absolute expert. (laughs) So this is, look, when I say weird, when like when you say weird, I know like that has different meanings. But for me, this is the game when I played it for the first time I hated it because it was so difficult. But then I revisited it a few years later and I actually came to appreciate it a lot more. You bought it. I did. I ended up buying Eventually. it. Eventually. I yeah, did. You've got yeah. a copy. Yeah. So. So I, the first version was, you know, played by, a, you know, owned by a friend of mine. I thought, I'm never going to play that again. A few years later, I played it as somebody who had played a few games since then. And I, I, I gained a, an appreciation for how tight it is. And when I say tight, I mean like you have to really plan. Otherwise, your entire little ecosystem is going to be in shambles. Family dies. Your family you dies. Don't feed them. They're going to starve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the negative points represent, but it's almost like your family has to go begging on the street and mm. like the shame of, you know, not being able to feed your family is so great as a result. I have weirder games at home, but this is definitely an example of a game that, like, I would never bring this to a gaming session with somebody who was new to gaming. I, that would just turn them off right away. Definitely a game that serious gamers, quote unquote, I hate to use that term, definitely reference back to because it's got such a brilliant design. And actually, the designer of Agricola, Uwe Rosenberg, has gone on to design Many, many more games about farming and animals and... Bit of a pet topic of his. He, he <laughs> is the guy who designs games about worker placement where you do farming. <laughs> there are so many, so many he's, games of he's his. He's found his niche and he's, he's, he's happy with it. Yeah, he 100% has. Well, we're going to go to a quick break, but I want to ask you, I've got some questions lined up for right. afterwards. We know life can be difficult. Relationships, finances, and employment can get out of control. Sometimes it's hard to know where to turn, but here's something I know for certain. God is there for you. Tell Him what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. We call this prayer. If you'd like to learn how to pray, 
Visit discover.hopechannel.com for the free Teach Me to Pray guide. Find peace today through the power of prayer at discover.hopechannel.com. All right, we're back with Jesse telling us all about his love of board games. Now, back to your article that you wrote for Science, yeah. Jesse. In that article, you explored, I guess, some of the benefits of board gaming. Why, why would I want to start? It looks like it could be an interesting hobby. It could be an expensive hobby. <laughs> yes, I can there, attest to that. There's sets and things that, you yeah. know, and then you're buying extra updated versions or expansion packs and stuff. But yeah. What have you seen or experienced even as the benefits of having something like this in your life? Like, why mm. would you mm. recommend to someone who perhaps hasn't gotten into this sort of side of things? What What would be the benefits for them? Yeah. I Look, I can understand for people who gaming is not like a, a hobby for them. It can be a little bit uh, skeptical about getting into board gaming. And look, I'm somebody who grew up playing Age of Empires and Crash Bandicoot. So for me, the Switch was a little easier. But one thing that I have really noticed in the last few years, especially since the pandemic, is that getting together with other people has become, I think, for me, a much more needed thing. Loneliness has been on the rise for a long time now. And the pandemic contributed to it, but I don't think the pandemic created it. I feel like, you know, just reflecting on what you're saying, it's almost like you're saying it's more needed, but I feel like it's almost in some ways harder. Yeah. I I just feel like people are a bit more disconnected. We're not organizing social events as much. We're not actually, I don't know about you, but I'm not catching up with my friends much. Yeah. It's just not something we're kind of doing anymore. I don't know if life's gotten more busy with work and and, and home boundaries being crossed because you're now mm. working from home mm. a bit more and mm. things are just like and you just get to the weekend and you're just exhausted. I'm not I'm not hanging out with friends as much as I perhaps was. So I guess Yeah, I, I have friends who live, you know, twenty minutes away and I don't see them as much, you know, anymore as, as I used to. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it used to be that we would hang out almost every weekend with a, you know, big group of, of, of folks, whether it be family members or people you went to uni with or even workmates. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, that the last few years, I mean, social media definitely contributes toward this, that right. I'm not, I don't know, false sense of connectedness is the right terminology, mm-hmm. but we definitely feel more connected to each other when we can see that little green button on the next to, you know, I go into my messenger, I see Jared Stackelroth is active. I'm like, oh yeah, hey, what's going on, Jared? Yeah, might send you a message, might not, but I feel like I'm- Or a meme. Or a meme, yeah. More likely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But we feel like we're connected, but I'm spending all of three seconds of my day connecting with you, but not even face-to-face. And it's not the same level of connection online, which has been- tested to in studies, even with all the Zoom that we've been doing, online meetings, online hanging out, we're with people. I I put that in air quotes for the podcasters. We're with people, but 
we're not with them. We're not connecting. Yeah. Which is what you, what, what was the term you used? Superficial. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Or a, a false sense of connectedness. False sense of connectedness. Cause we feel connected, but we're actually really not. I'm not actually connecting benefits. with you as a person yeah. on an individual level. I mean, you know, and there's, there's the group connectedness, feeling like I'm part of a bigger group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think church is a great example of that where yeah. church attendance, I know has, has definitely been on the, on the down low for a few years now. And the pandemic has definitely impacted that, but just being able to hang out with your, your church friends and, and whatever the case may be, there's great benefits there. When the pandemic hit, I, I didn't find it particularly difficult. I, there were definitely parts of it that I really, you know, didn't like, but on the whole, I, I coped with it personally. When we came out though, it was this weird feeling of I can be in a room with people. Like that's heaps of people. Heaps of people. That was weird. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I got used to like, you know, three, four, five months of mask on when I'm out in public, not getting too close, you know, two meter, two meter rule, whatever the, the case is. And then being able to be in a room with people again was like something went off in my brain of, Oh, I've been really wanting this and I didn't even realize it. Mm. And so, I think some people experience also a bit of anxiety and a bit of alarm bells around oh, yeah. that because it's been like your brain's been attuned to not be around people yeah. and then you have to be. And I guess something like gaming could break the ice down, break that feeling down. You know, you, you yeah. lose the alarm bells or the flight or fight response, you know, in your brain. So this is what we did when I was in New Zealand yep. a couple of years ago. And this was 2020. So the, the latter part of 2020, we had just come out of our big lockdown, our first one. We just wanted to get together. And so we got together around this game called Scythe, which is kind of a blend of the Meritrash and the Euro style. You have these big mechs on a board and it's all very like flashy, but it's also very Euro style and, you know, doing your own thing. So there's, there's a great blend there, but that's not what was great about the game. What was great about the game was it has a, what we call legacy component. A legacy game is essentially a campaign style game, right? Where you are playing sequential sessions one after the other for a, a set amount of time. And so for us, that was eight sessions. So that's mm-hmm. eight weeks, which is two months. What you're saying is you, you play a session. And then, and then you pause but the game's it. not finished as no. such. You come back, you come next back and, and do or the next whenever bit. you next can, yeah. and, and do the rest. And we did that for the better part of two months. Maybe it took us a little longer. I hope you don't have to have things set up on the board or whatever. I know with a two-year-old in my house, yeah. it would. <laughs> you'd be, you know, you yeah. have a break from a game and you leave it there, a chessboard or something, and then you come back and someone's knocked it all over and it's there's, like, no. <laughs> there certainly are games where that is something that is like pack up and, and, and set, like set up and pack down is like pretty crazy. <laughs> Beside, it's not too bad, thankfully. And so our host who had two, two young boys as well, he was like, no, nah, I'm packing this away. Fair um, enough. But week. you could pick it up where you left yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Great. But the thing that we found for this session and for future sessions of games like that mm. was that getting together satisfied that desire for connection. Right, yeah. And it was really profound and I think it was really good for me and for all of us coming out of that extended period of loneliness 
yeah, we tried to do stuff online. You know, we had games like, for instance, that one on the table we can see right there, Splendor. Splendor, yep. That has an online component. There are websites ah. where you can essentially have a an implementation, a digital implementation right. of that game. So if you want to show people. Let's have a look. Yeah. This is a great game. It's what my wife affectionately terms the shopping game because you are getting little gems. Got a, jewel, a jeweler on the front having a look at a big rock in a ring. That's great. Yeah. You're getting rubies and diamonds and sapphires and you're using them to buy cards so that you can buy more expensive cards. And right. it's great. It's a great little game. So we were doing these online games and we were doing it over Discord, you know, chatting to each other in the safety and the, you know, security of our own home. But then getting into the real world and being able to be across the room from each other and to be able to physically, tangibly be in each other's presence was really incredibly special. And I think it's something that we took for granted up until that point, um, until the pandemic. Until it's taken away, you don't realise how valuable it might be. I remember in your article you reflected on, I guess, the difference between yourself and others that you were playing some of those games with. Yeah. Do you just want to bring bring our audience that nugget? Because I think it's a real a real gem that yeah. you don't have to be... Well, you can find new friends through gaming in yeah. some ways. Look, if, if most people want to get out and about and they have a hobby they enjoy, they might join a club, you know, a futsal club or, you know, tennis or, you know, badminton or whatever. But gamers tend to be a bit of a different breed and we don't tend to really... I mean, that's that's obviously a gross over-exaggeration, but generally most gamers don't tend to want to go and play footy on a weekends. When it came to our group, it was a weird mishmash of people. We were connected with each other through various means, you know, a teacher at a school that somebody was a part of, blah, blah, blah. But we weren't really that connected. We didn't know each other. And our host in particular, who's a really great guy, but he's not a Christian, and he had a really rough experience with the church, he was somebody that I probably would never have really met, ever. And so to be able to actually have a friendship with somebody who didn't think the way I thought, and I'm not just talking about, hey, I see him once or twice. I'm like somebody I, I, I see like on a very regular basis mm-hmm. and other people who, you know, I disagreed with politically and we'd get into arguments sometimes over various things. When it comes to people who just didn't see the way that I see things spiritually, we ended up attracting a whole bunch of random people to our group. Somebody would be going to uni and they would invite their uni friend Mm. over and it'd be awkward and it'd be a little bit weird, but then you get to know them and you find out, hey, this is actually a really great person. Yeah. But I never would have actually connected with them beforehand. No. Even today, here in Sydney, I have a game group that I go down to to the local RSL in one of the suburbs here every night, uh, every Tuesday night, sorry. They they assemble at this RSL, which is <laughs> not a place I generally go to, but, you know, it's a, it's a great venue for different people to bring games in. And I, I've met a bunch of people there who I really never would have met before. And, and even on that, you know, Sydney is a really hard place to meet people. It's a really mm. fast-paced, busy city. And so just to have the opportunity to sit down and play a random game of, what did we play last time? Endless Winter or Orléans or any other random games that you might sit down to. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's a great space to connect with people that you may never have been able to in the first place. And in doing that, it has really challenged my own sense of the sorts of people 
that I would normally associate with. Because I think, look, mm. the truth is that most of us tend to associate with people that think like us, speak like us, do the same things of us as us, sometimes even just the same people who look like us. Stay in our bubble. We stay in our lane and just, yeah. But, but gaming has become such a, board gaming in particular, has become such a diverse hobby that it's almost impossible to do that nowadays. You can't not interact with people, especially if you go to these social events, conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're inevitably going to run into people who are playing these games, designers who are designing these games, people who are putting on these events who are just so totally different. Here, Even here, we have so many different nationalities in the the designers, the, the places. Like we have 17th century Germany here and then Cascadia, which is about the national parks in America, to Splendor, which is, I think, Marc Andre's Italian. Flamme Rouge, which is about the Tour de France. Mm-hmm. You know? Seven wow. Wonders, which is about the Greek city-states and all that sort of stuff. So much diversity, which I think is really great. It challenges me as a person, but it also, friends, friends are great. Mm, Yeah, sure. Especially in this age of disconnectivity from other people. Yeah, That's one thing, I guess, that you've learned in some ways through playing games. Are there any other things you've learned, whether it's about the people who play the games or or yourself and, and life lessons that gaming has given you? When you play especially certain types of games, it can really teach you a lot about yourself. Okay. There's a, I've got a friend who I play with who will remain nameless, but if he listens to this, he knows who he is. He is a savant, Jared. He is a genius. He'll, he'll, I'll teach him a game that I've played before and he'll immediately see all of the things that he can exploit and all of the things that he can combo together to make the most insane point spread or whatever. That makes me very angry because <laughs> it makes me feel like, oh man, especially if I'm teaching a game that I know and I, I, I played before and then he just comes through and absolutely wallops me. It's like, not fair. That's just- so not fair. <laughs> That's when you say beginner's luck. Yeah. yeah. He's just got a gift that I don't have right. when it comes to, you know, being able to see patterns and be able to put things together, um, which is a really great, great thing. And I, I have learned a lot from that. It has also taught me to be a lot more humble and that it's not, not always about winning. Right. This is something that I have definitely learned that I would not have learned through playing board games. When I first started, I just wanted to win mm-hmm. because I have a great time when I win and when I don't win, I don't have such a good time. <laughs> I think a few of our listeners, viewers, can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> But what I have learned, and this is definitely a life lesson that I've taken forward, and I don't think I wrote about this in the, in the article, but I was thinking about it at the time. For me now in gaming, my goal is not to win, but to play again. What I mean by that is when I bring people together to my house or to any situation and we play a game together, I want everybody whether they win or lose at the end of the night, to want to come back and try something else. Whether it's the Mm -hmm. same game or another game that they might have seen on the shelf that they're interested in or or whatever, my goal is for people to have a good time, number one, to be civil, to be able to connect with each other and to want to come back. Mm -hmm. Because as I've learned, 
and this is this goes beyond gaming, it goes into life. When you're playing a game that is finite, you're playing to win. But when you're get, playing a game that is infinite, the goal is to get people to come back. Right. To, to, to play another game. And I think this is true for work. This is true for your relationships. Sometimes in work, we just want to win, 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 win. But really, when we win, sometimes others lose. So that old adage, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. People say, <laughs> people just say that to losers. <laughs> that, my my dad told me that just to make me feel better because I lost the prize. But, but the way you're describing it, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. You know, your primary purpose in, in life is to build relationships. In 100%. And if you're playing the game, you're not you're playing to build relationships, not to win or lose this particular game. You're playing the long game in a sense. You've got a, a longer strategy. If, if I'm, if I'm you know, in a relationship with my wife and mm. my goal is to win all the time, whether it be in the argument or whether it be in getting my way, she's going to lose. The and, relationship loses. And the relationship loses yeah. at the end of the day. My goal should not be to win. My goal should be to make her still want to be in a relationship mm. with me and to feel like we have a mutually beneficial relationship with each other. Yep. Yep. You know, 100%. when I'm in, when I'm working with my colleagues, I don't want to feel them to feel like they're losing all the time because Jesse's winning. I want them to feel like they want to come to work every day excited because we are, we're working on something new and exciting and, and we're, we're changing the world. We're making a difference where, you know, all the, all the things that people want. And you don't do that by focusing on winning. You do that by focusing on helping other people win. Mm. Uh, you know, helping other people win may not be necessarily literally helping them win, but making them feel like this is an environment, this is a place, this is a thing that they want to give their life to. It, um, it reminds me, it's a very Christian concept. Yeah. Because it reminds me of that verse that talks about Jesus not considering equality with God to be something to be grasped, to be held on to, to be at all costs, you know, his position, his power in the universe, yeah. everything like that. But humbling himself, coming as a servant. He throws it he all gaze, away. He, he gives his life for the many, you know, yeah. and I'm paraphrasing and I'm mixing yeah. up verses together. But essentially, you know, the Christian conception of marriage is to be one. Mm. And if I've, I've heard someone say at one point, a speaker was saying, if, if, if you're one, if one person wins in that relationship, someone else is losing. Yeah. And, and you can't live like that in a married relationship because if you're always having wins and your wife feels like, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're not yeah. winning together, that, that becomes problematic. Yeah. So I really like it. Who'd have thought such a deep, <laughs> Le- life lesson could come from bo- playing board games. Yeah, it's funny how when you're playing a game, if 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 you're open enough and self reflective enough to be able to realize when certain things happen, how you react to it, and then to be able to analyze that. You know, I I, I played a game recently called Pipeline, which is really it's about making oil. Like, like crude oil <laughs> and turning it into better oil to then sell on a fluctuating market. It's another very brutal game. We're getting to the end of the game and I get that sinking feeling that you get sometimes when you realize 
I've done nothing this entire game and I'm going to absolutely be slaughtered by my other people that I'm playing with. And I started to get really annoyed and resentful about it. And then I realized, you know what? I'm having a good time nonetheless. I'm enjoying the company of these people. I know now what I should have done better. And next time we play this game, maybe I'll do better. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But it's not about winning. It's but about you're, you're able to switch your mindset yeah. and reframe it and just come out of that hole. Whereas if I didn't have that self-reflection, then maybe I just would have stormed off and been annoyed mm-hmm. by the whole by the whole thing. And I've definitely, unfortunately, had moments <laughs> like that. And I've had, you know, people at the table who have who have had that happen. And, and that's that's not pleasant. But at the end of the day, I think it, it, you know, gaming can really teach you about yourself if you let it. Mm, and that's, that's important. We should all be learning about ourselves and becoming better versions of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Maybe a last question as we're starting to, to finish up. If I'm new, mm. I'm interested in some of what you've said today, or I'd at least like to start expanding and try something socially. Where do I even start? There are so many games. You mentioned there's more games than you can poke a stick at now on yep. the market. There are so many new games that are getting released. How do you start? Do you, yeah. do, you, do, you re, do you pull out the old Uno cards at the back of the <laughs> cupboard or, you know, mm. should you go out and get something new for, mm. for fun? Like, how, how should, where should you research it online? What, what would your advice be? Look, you can definitely fall down the rabbit hole if you allow yourself to. I will say, when I first started getting into it, I let theme do the talking a lot. Okay. Wingspan is a great example of that. I didn't know that much about the game. I didn't do that much research before I bought the game. I just liked, I just saw the cover. It was pretty. I was like, you know what? I like birds. Birds? Why not? Birds are fun. Birds are nice. Definitely beats the theme of farming in the 17th (laughs) century in Germany. For some people, that'll be their jam. Maybe it is. (laughs) Maybe maybe there's a particular part in history that you're really into. Maybe you're really into the Napoleonic Napoleonic Wars in in case there's there's a game there for you. Maybe you're really into 19th century politics between Russia and England in Afghanistan. I'm describing literally a game about that <laughs> okay. called Pax Premier. It's a great game, but it's got the most obscure theme. It's, right. it's fantastic. Yeah. This game here that's just underneath, it's called Cascadia. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's about getting bears and elk and foxes and putting them in nice little patterns in a national park. Lovely. If there's a game that speaks to you on a thematic level, I'd say if it's not too expensive and you think, okay, I can justify this, give it a go. Give it a go. There are definitely some really great entry points into the hobby in card games and small box games. That's why I brought Patchwork here. I'll just grab that. Patchwork is literally about making a patchwork quilt. Mm -hmm. And you've got these, it's called polyomino. So it's like, you know, like a domino, but it's like a domino that has many different sides. Yeah, right. So a polyomino. You're literally... With another, another player, this is a two-player game, just laying down tiles and scoring points. Make a pattern. Making a pattern. Basically. And you're, you're trying to do like a, a Tetris jigsaw puzzle at the same time, which is super satisfying if you can, if you can get it right. 
If you can't, it's super infuriating. But it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. See, something I did enjoy, we knocked Monopoly at the beginning of this conversation right. a little bit, but they brought out a card game, Monopoly Deal. Monopoly which Deal. Which I quite enjoy. Monopoly, it's easy, yeah, it's, it's quick, quick, and it's it's fun. Yeah? It, it captures the essence of Monopoly while not being seven hours long. without And without some of the yeah. knocking the, down the your neighbours. more luck. Meanness. Which cards are you going to yeah. get? Yeah. Mm. And look, the, the thing about theme is... As you go along, theme, for some people, tends to become a little less important as the mechanics. But you're not going to discover new mechanics if you're not enjoying... If you're not playing anything. If you're not playing starting anything. starting somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I would say if there's, if there's a theme that you're really into, look, there's a, there's a good chance that there's a board game about that theme. If you're really into cycling, there's Flam Rouge. It's about... Cycling and the Tour de France. You know, if 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 you're into, I don't know. There's there's a great game like Patchwork, but instead of making a quilt, you're putting together a quilt and putting cats on it. It's called Calico. It's great. Okay. There's a theme out there for you. <laughs> Give the game a go. If you don't like it, you don't like it. No worries. The great thing about board games is there is an amazing secondhand market. Most games hold their value quite well. Yep, right. And if you've only played it once, <clears throat> decide you don't like it, it's probably... No harm, no foul. Sell it off, get, get some of your money back. Yep. No problem at all. Um, but I, I will say that if you get into a particular game, like let's say Splendor, right? You look the theme, you think, hey, diamonds, nice, fun, whatever, approachable. It'll teach you the basics, the foundations of really great tableau building because Splendor is a tableau builder, just like... Wingspan is a tableau builder, but they're slightly different. But when you learn one game, chances are when you come across another game in the future that's kind of like it, you'll start to think, oh, this is like that other game. So you're importing some of your previous knowledge into the new experience. So that's that's something that I would say. Pick a theme, look for small box games. There's some really great card games out there. Card games is not something that I've, I've brought in, but I have a lot of card games and some of them are really, really light. Some of them are really, really complicated and some of them are somewhere in between. Pick a theme, learn a game. If you don't like it, no worries. Try something else. I, I will say as well, there are a lot of really great brick and mortar stores out there where you can go in and there'll be a table or a couple of tables and there might be people playing on them. Mm. And you can look at games and maybe you can take it down off the shelf and give it a go. Have a demo. There are game libraries out yep. there, cafes, game cafes. There were some really great ones in New Zealand that I, I frequented a bit. And a lot of shops will very happily say, hey, what have you played before? What do you like? And then give you a recommendation. So that that's a really, really cool thing as well. Because, because this is such a niche industry, such a niche hobby, the community around it is really tight-knit. And really mm. friendly. Mm. For the most part, there are exceptions, but for the most part, it's it's a really friendly community. So if you're, you know, wanting to try it for the first time, don't be intimidated. There'll be people out there who will very happily give you a, a little bit of a, a toe in the water. No worries. Sounds great. You've almost convinced me. <laughs> Maybe give it a go one time. Maybe. Come over to my house one day, Jared. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us at Science Radio today. Thank you, Jesse. And if you're watching on YouTube, welcome. And it's awesome because this is the first time we're trying it and we hope to do this more regularly. So 
That'll be great. Hey, where can they read your article, Jesse? Yeah. The best place that you can read my article is by getting a physical copy of the magazine. You can do that by going to signsofthetimes.org.au and hitting the subscribe button. You can get the magazine in print and in digital form, whatever floats your boat. You can also read some of the articles that come out periodically on the same website, signsofthetimes.org.au. You can also find us on Facebook and on YouTube. So give us a follow and, and you'll see all of that good stuff come up. There will be a TikTok soon. There will right. be a TikTok. A little bit of a, a, a teaser, a sneak peek there. So, And excited. if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do that. We'd love to have you regularly as we do this at least once or twice a month. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. This is Science Radio. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au.